Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host. This is part two of my two-part interview with warm-up guy Bob Perlow. And Bob was pretty much the warm-up guy for 37 years in Hollywood. All of your favorite sitcoms, The Tonight Show, he warmed up everybody. And chances are, if you went to a uh, filming of a sitcom or The Tonight Show sometime in the last 37 years, you know Bob, because he was the warm-up guy. If you missed part one, after you listen to this one, go back and check that out. This week, we talk a lot about working on Friends, a very unique experience. Also, uh, Tim Allen kind of had a meltdown on a home improvement. He talks about that and other things, such as the value of giving away candy. That's part two, coming up right now, Bob Perlow, this week on Hollywood and Levine. A lot of shows, and I think it started with Gary Marshall, would throw out candy and things like that. You know, just, the you know, a sugar rush to keep the audience, uh, you know, a, a little more up for another a hour bad, or two. A bad idea, like they, that's what they would do. Fred Fox Jr. was doing Happy Days as I was doing Laverne and Shirley, and Gary would. They'd have the little miniature Snickers bars, mm-hmm. and I would watch. I go. This is before I I, I did warm ups. I go. I'm never going to do that. Yes, they get excited, but on the other side, remember they're going to be here for another two hours. It's like a little kid. You get a sugar rush, and then they go to sleep. And then they crash. So, yeah. Yeah. So I said, I'm not going to do that. I have a better idea. And I went to Venice Beach and bought a hundred T-shirts, a dollar a piece, and and hats. And I would give that away, and it became even a better gift for them to take home. So now they they have a a they have something to to bring home, and B they're going to feel bad if they leave. I gave them a T-shirt. Later on, I I talked to the shows. I go, why don't we? It'll cost you nothing. Make up. Uh, night court t-shirts uh, make up who's the boss oh good idea we you know we have a, a, a stencil guy it'll cost us nothing and the people died for those shirts and I became known as the t-shirt uh, warm-up guy but it, it was foolproof 
I remember on The Odd Couple, which was another Gary Marshall show, uh, and they used to throw out the Knicks, uh, the Snickers bars to the audience. And so a number of them would fall through the slats from the bleachers. And Tony Randall's agent, who I think was 120 at the time, uh, would go underneath the bleachers <laughs> and and collect up all of the Snickers and Milky Way bars. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it. That, that was a, not only did I see that they would crash from the sugar high. Another bad thing about the Snickers bars, after they ate them, they crinkled, which right. ruined. And so I said, I, I'm not going to, t shirts don't make any noise at all. And it became such a prized possession for these people. Look, I got it. It says Venice Beach, you know, <laughs> and, until, until the shows got, got hip to the fact that if they put their logo on it, a, it's a write-off. B, it's swag. A, yes, it swag. Means yeah, and people yeah. in Kansas City walking around with a night court T-shirt. No one else has a night court T-shirt. Nope, nope. So I, I, I kind of want to take credit for that as far as giving it to the audience. You know, they did it maybe before me to give away to the cast and crew at Christmas. I said we're losing a great opportunity to keep the audience up because I kept on holding it up. You know, look, this is what some of you are going to go home with. So it, it was a carrot, the old sticking carrot. By the way, I should mention, if you ever wanted to go see a taping of a TV show, they're free. They can't charge you. So if you want to see, uh, there, of course, they're not that many multi-camera shows, but even uh, if you're going to go see the Stephen Colbert show or Jimmy Kimmel, James Corden, anything like that, you get tickets, they're free. So it's a great thing if you go to New York or Los Angeles and you're looking for something to do, it's not going to cost you $150. Uh, see if you can get tickets for Stephen Colbert. Those are tough tickets. Yeah. As, a, as opposed to when we were there and a pilot, or I, I did uh, Hollywood Squares for for four years, and it was pulling teeth. I would go out there, and I, we would do three shows on a Saturday and three more on a Sunday. And I would go out, and it would be halfway house people. The audiences they they would pulling teeth to get audiences on a on a weekend on a nice day to sit for three shows. So these were paid audience members. Now, paid is a misnomer. The people didn't get paid. Audiences unlimited got paid. for. That's right. There were these services and they would round up audiences for you and provide a bus and bus them in. And I remember uh, cases when I was at MTM where they would bus in people who didn't speak English. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you know, or or you'd have a show like the Fresh Princess of Bel Air, and they would bring in people from you know senior homes who are like eighty five years old, and they're sitting there like, what is this? They can't hear, and you know they're watching Will Smith. They have no idea what the hell they're watching. Not a clue, but they would stay, and and I would use my good study again. It was this is. Uh, methadone clinics they would come in <laughs> really and i would and they'd be up they'd be too because they were high and, and they'd be except then 
uh, Whoopi, it was Whoopi Goldberg's uh, Hollywood Squiz, that, that incarnation. Okay. She was, she was a center square. So then they would go and change, and I, I'd go backstage and come back out, hey! I'd look, it's the same people. They, so I couldn't use any of the stuff that I used. So they would be there for three shows. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then the following week, I'd go, oh, thank God, they're going. I'd go out. Hey, Bob. Hello, shit. <laughs> hey, Carlos, how are you? How was your week? <laughs> and then I, I would have the bits. I, I, I did one bit where I'd have a, a guy up. He was a great dancer to I Will Survive. You know how flamboyant mm-hmm. that is? I sure. Will Survive. And he was great. Yeah, yeah. And every week he would come in a different costume. <laughs> <laughs> Where by the end of it, he'd been in, 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 like in, in a speedo with a boa constrictor. <laughs> they ate it up. <laughs> you, know, you have to get creative because if you give up, you go, "Hey, that's not the job. If I don't do it, I'm gone." You know, I, no matter how how awful the experience is, and in my mind, I'm going, "Yeah, that's." But the big smile, and you guys are great. Thanks for coming back again, week after week after week. <laughs> I didn't say it like that. It's always good to see you guys. Hey, Carlos, how you, what are you going to wear today? <laughs> Up, I have this. Okay, good. There, there are some shows where the producers like to do the warm up themselves, and I remember again when we were at MTM and Jay Tarsus, who was the showrunner of the Tony Randall Show, would do the warm up, and we had an audience, and most of them couldn't speak English. So it was a dead audience for a show, and it was one that David and I wrote that had played really great all week, and everyone had very high expectations for, and it was just dying. And Jay, I guess, you know, you can do this if you're the showrunner, he turned on the audience. You know, he was like, you know, hey, people, your Hearst is waiting for you. And uh, there would be some visual gag, and he would turn to them and go, get it? Get it? What's different about this room? Yeah, you know he, why, just, he just turned on them. You know why he could do that? Because he, he was, was the, the boss. producer. Yeah, exactly. The guy that did it, go, get rid of that guy. Exactly. So we didn't have that luxury of, of turning on anybody. It, it was the, the smiling face. But again, going back to when we first started to talk, I was with the group for two weeks when I was a tour guide. So four hours, it was like a walk in the park, you know? Obviously, it's a different dynamic, but my training as a tour guide really came into play with with these long, long shows that I ended up doing. Now, Friends supposedly had two audiences. They took so long to film that they would bring in an audience at like 4 o'clock, and then at 9 o'clock, they would bring in a completely different audience tell us about uh about friends because you also did warm up on friends that that what you just said was not true when i did it and only after i left did they go we can't do this anymore so you would be there for eight hours eight eight hours oh my god in my book it was incredible it was like at five o'clock it's in in reality, it's more than eight hours because if somebody's in Iowa and they know they're coming to L.A. and they got tickets for friends, their whole vacation 
is predicated on going to friends on a Friday, which is at five o'clock, the taping. But these people are in their hotel in L.A. going, honey, hurry up. We're going to get there. We're going to beat the traffic. So they their clock has started at two o'clock because now they're excited and they get to, to Warner Brothers and they have to stay in that holding area uh, across the street. So they're mm-hmm. not even in, they're not even close yet. So their clock has started at two o'clock at maybe three o'clock. They move them onto that into that overhang inside the gate. Right. Four o'clock, they get closer to the stage. At 4.30, they're let into the stage. So they're already four hours into the wait. (laughs) So then I come on. Now, and this is why I hope you didn't do this, because it's it's a producer's want to really do this. A lot of shows I did, when the producer comes in, they want to hear the crowd cheering and get excited. And as a warm-up guy, I know what they're in for. I go, let's not get them too excited at the beginning. No, they want to hear that. This is friends. They're, they're lucky to be here. I go, no, they're not that lucky. They're going to be here a long time. They go, oh, we want to hear them up and excited. I go, that's the wrong way to do this. Let, let me like navigate these laughs so you get the laughs when you need them and want them. And they go, oh, no, no, they're, they're, they're lucky. We had 100 requests for each ticket. I go, I know, but you want to use them to your, to, to your best advantage. Oh, okay, okay. So at 6 o'clock, I go, ladies and gentlemen, they were already tired. They've been in the sun. They were a little bit hungry. Remember, there's no food uh, once they get in. Mm-hmm. So, and here's Jennifer Anderson, David Schwimmett. Okay, and Jim Burroughs. Okay, we're ready, Bob. Okay. Boom, scene number one. And <laughs> the words that stick in my mind are action, means they're going to stop the scene. Cut. And then the, the words that I grew to hate, and, I, and sometimes I wake up in the night and I hear, from the top. Go, oh, from the top. You're going to do the whole scene over again. And they do it twice. You go, oh, that was good. All right, from the top. This is the third one. Now it's in, you, you, you're 40 minutes in, and they're still on the first scene. And then the producers, I'm not going to name them, they could look them up, would say, writers. And in front of the audience, they would do a writing session, which I thought was really inconsiderate to, to, to the people. And you know as well as I do, during the week, you go for each scene, whatever the, the joke was, you go, oh, let's come up with a better joke. So they have a million jokes for that one scene. And I know what they're doing as a former writer. They're saying, what was this joke we did on, on Monday? But they're, they're making believe that they're coming up with new stuff. And I know they're coming up with, what was the one we had Monday? So they'd be kind of new jokes. So now we're an hour and a half. Okay, that's a, that's a five. <laughs> so now all the, nobody's on the stage. It's just me. And the, now they're starting to get a little concerned, go, Wow, we've been here for an hour and a half, and it's on scene number two. Anyway, to long story short, which I can't make it short because that's the nature of it, it took eight hours. There was no two shows when I first started. And Jimmy Burroughs, who the master director of all time, was under the thumb of, of the producers. So when they said, let's do it again, he had to do it again. And he's the master. There's, there's yeah, no he other. moves things along. Yeah. Yeah. 
but he was not allowed to. Exactly. This was such a phenomenon to begin with. Friends from the pilot. I I got chills because this is a hit. Whereas a lot of pilots, I go, oh my God, I can't wait for it to be over. But it had that that panache. It, it, was, it was special. But it took eight hours. And only after I left, I, I stayed there for two years. And I said, you know what? I can't do it. I, I, I'm, I'm, and I'm pretty good. I can smile and keep up with the best of them. This, this is ruining my life. Eight hours, two o'clock in the morning. I have to keep these. I go, where are you going? We're hungry. I go, hungry. <laughs> how, many, how many people hungry. were left by the time the show would wrap at two in the morning out of, say, 200 people who, who were there originally? How many people were left in the stands? I'm happy to say and proud that I kept most of them. Only whether it was cajoling them, whether it was browbeating them, but not in a mean way. Nothing could be mean. And and I would even pull out the the uh, the card that said, you know what, folks? Uh, yeah, it takes a long time, but it's a great show. This is going to go down in history. Plus, believe me, every one of you, for that seat you're in, we had 100 requests. So please stick with us. You're seeing history. And I would do week after week, but it got to the point where I had to beg them. I go, please, can we have food at one point? And like, it, like I said, it was like pulling teeth. They had pizzas at one point, but there were not two shows. It was an eight-hour marathon. And, you know, they, they thanked me, but they also thought that these people were, were lucky to be there. I go, it's, it's not luck. Nothing is fun for five hours. Eating. Sex, not, nothing is good for five hours. It, it, it's, you know, <laughs> let them go. No, let them stay. We got stuff to do. And each scene, they would do that, that writers, writers come on and, and make believe they're coming up with new stuff. So it, it was obviously <laughs> still in my mind years later. Yeah, well. And, for- oh, 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 and going back to would, would, would people come out, nobody in the cast would come out in that eight hours to say thank you guys for for being here, which to me it was inconceivable. How could you not come out and say, "Oh, we know it's long." Again, maybe that changed after I left because it changed to two shows. But in the time I was there, maybe Matthew Perry would come out. Hey, folks, how you doing? But no Q and A. You know, they were elitist from the beginning. And this is not to say I don't. I loved the show. I thought it was brilliant. But I'm doing it from a, I'm coming at it from another direction, and it, it was painful. I'm sure when you watch these shows now in reruns, that you go, "Oh God, that night! Oh yeah! Oh, that's the night! That's the night I had the heckler! Oh yeah, that's the night the air conditioning went out! Right? Yeah. That's when that fucking monkey wouldn't pay attention." <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Did yeah. you get hecklers? No. I, I was pretty good. Uh, again, the, the the tour guide training, I mean, th- these were the worst people in the world, and they were on a bus for two weeks, and I had a mas- two seats were near the, the bathroom in the back, and it was the same bus for two weeks. So I, I was pretty good at handling Heckestine. Again, I'm not a stand-up. I, I've never even attempted to do stand-up comedy. I'm, I'm kind of a professional warm-up guy, so I, I was, you know, that was my lane, so... I, I could pretty much say, 
what I did, one little thing that I did, I brought it all the way through. If somebody was heckling or trying to take focus, I go, I would go one-on-one with them and go, what are you doing? And I would turn the audience against them. These people came to see a show. Why are you taking it away from this? So we, instead of one-on-one, him getting me, I go, you're ruining it for these people, these nice people, right, folks? Yeah, yeah, Bob. So please, for them, not for me. I, I mean, I'm just here to, to keep you company. You know, and I go through machinations back and forth for eight hours. But eight, again, eight was friends. Most shows were actually a minimum of three hours, but usually five. Cheers was a great, uh, a great audience show because Jimmy would do two and he was so brilliant that he would be, and I saw this, I'm sure you did too, he'd be cutting it in his head. He would know what the coverage was from a camera and he would know that he had that rather than new directors who would just keep on shooting just so they would have just so much to choose from that they couldn't miss because they wanted to make an impression with the producers. But Jimmy was, was a master. I, I mean, I'll, I'll never... You know, anytime I saw him on a show that I did, I go, oh, thank God, we're in such good hands. Yeah, I know. There's probably some directors that you just go, oh, God, oh, God, him. <laughs> I'll give you a him without naming a name on a show that, let's say it took eight hours. <laughs> and at the four-hour mark, I see the, the director. They're on a, a 10, a 10-minute I see him with two plates of food. Remember, these people are, haven't eaten, and it's four. It's nine o'clock at night. And they oh, and he's there. walking around on the stage with the around. food so that oh, people I, could see him. Oh, I wish that were the case. Okay, he had two friends in the audience, and I, I, I'm talking to the audience, but in my mind, I'm going, "You son of a bitch!" He's walking into the audience. There was a seat next to his friends, bringing them two plates of food. It's almost like a gladiator. You go, you're going to have the lions. What? The lions haven't eaten in four hours, and you're going to come and eat a plate. It was like narrow. And he ate in the audience. And in my mind, I'm, I'm trying to get their mind off it. They're looking at the food like, going, please, please. It was like Oliver Creek, please, sir, may I have some stew? <laughs> and he, uh, he was oblivious and again you can look at in my book and i name names but i won't do it here well the tonight show used to tape at like five thirty, and so you would do the tonight show like at five o'clock and then you would go off and you would do one of these shows so a typical week for you might be five tonight shows and maybe four audience shows and then the weekend you're doing shows for the you know hollywood squares so there must have been a a point when it was like crazy for you yeah and again if i didn't like it it would have been torture i couldn't wait i actually and i had to get uh, a lot of your listeners uh, maybe aren't familiar with la but i had to get from burbank to Fox on a Friday at 5.30. And they would hold the show. I, I felt kind of blessed with this whole thing because they would hold the sitcom up until I got there. And they would be calling in the car. I, cell phones just came out. So 
we were able to communicate. And they go, where are you? I go, I'm at Beverly Glen, but it's backed up. And after two weeks of that, I go, I have an idea. I made a film, uh, a video of me on The Tonight Show and going, I got to get to, uh, I even forgot the name of the show, but whatever it was. And because I'd say, okay, put the film in, put the video in now, because I'm at uh, Beverly Glen, close to Fox. So they timed it because I knew there was no traffic. Put it in. It's an eight-minute video of me going from the Tonight Show in my car, going, I'll be there soon, folks, and then pulling up into the lot and then timing it so, ah, I'm here. And then I would walk in live. So, again, it it kept it fresh for me, stuff like that. Did you ever get in trouble for anything you said? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I couldn't do it now in a million years because the whole Me Too thing. Uh, one of the, I, I, maybe you remember on Dahmer and Greg, I, I said, it got to the point where I said, well, I need a phone on the stage that we can call out anywhere in the country and we can hear the person on the other end and that end of the conversation. Go, okay, we got it. And I, I would do a bit where I would, get a girl, I go, you got to be 18 or above, and we need your permission to do this. We want you to call home. I would say, if you, if you live in Ohio or New York, because then there was a three-hour difference. So at 8 o'clock, it would be 11 in her mother or grandmother. Right. Uh, okay. We're going to call, and you're going to tell them that you have an audition because you went to a show at this club that you and your girlfriend went to, to be a dancer, but you need the permission from your grandmother, okay? And, oh, by the way, it's a strip club. Go, what? It's a strip club, and but it's a $500 prize, so call your grandmother, and she would go, hi, hi, Nana. Hey, listen, I need your permission. I'm at a club, and I got a job, and it's a contest, and I can win $500 if I'm a dancer. Can you give him permission? And the crib would go, what, what kind of club? I go, oh, let me talk. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, this is Bob. It's a club that I own called Bob's Classy Ladies. And we need to, and again, you couldn't do it today. In a million. <laughs> so can she dance or not? I go, well, what kind of club? It's a nice club, topless. What? Do you say topless? Oh, uh, yes. You just said, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Julie from Idaho. <laughs> Dun, 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 dun. Go, oh, look at, and again, stuff you couldn't do. But there was an entertaining eight-minute bit. That's funny. So, yeah, but I, but later on, I got into a little trouble where Whoopi, I did it, and she got a little, hi, this is Whoopi. Listen, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's just a little thing we're doing in the audience. But let me let me send you a T-shirt, and it soothed things out. But, yeah, that was, it was a little risky. Then it was risky. Now it would be. I go to jail now. <laughs> right, right. Okay, in your book, you talk about Tim Allen having a meltdown on the set. Mm-hmm. Mm, tell us a little bit about that. All right. Uh, I'm proud of the fact that in 35, 37 years of doing this, and like you said, six, seven times a week, that I've never been fired except once. And it was a show uh, that I was contracted to do the whole season for. It was Home Improvement with Tim Allen. 
And as we've been talking, you know, it, it, it's, it's a delicate position to say you don't want to be funnier than the show. You want to be this particular night on Home Improvement. Everything was working to a T. I was hot. The audience was hot. And I meshed the two. Not to, never going to overshadow the show. The, the, my job, and obviously I knew how to do it because I did it for 37 years, was to get laughs while they were changing and also to recap it and for them to be hot when they say action again. So this one night I was particularly hot. I, I was having a great time. The audience was into it. They were into the show. Now, just uh, spatially, the audience is facing the set. I'm in the audience with my back to the set. So I'm facing the crowd. I don't turn around until the stage manager says, Bob, we're ready. And then I recap. So this one night, the audience is laughing, laughing, laughing. And then I hear, hey. Now, the word hey can mean several things. You go, hey, hey, how you doing? Hey, or hey, which maybe someone cut you off. This hey was different than those. It was, hey. And I knew from that hey, there was Tim Allen. So I turn around and go, hey, there's a show down here too, you know, which was so out of line with what I was doing. Because again, I pride myself in meshing what I do with what the show does. And he was bent out of shape. I was fired that night. I, I finished the night and afterwards I go, you know, Tim, Tim was upset, blah, blah, blah. I learned later on that he was in his uh, chair getting touched up and he heard the laughs. And the makeup girl who was a friend of mine said, he got so bent out of shape that you were getting so many laughs that, that that's how this all came to be, which was, he should have been thrilled. I mean, he's high. Right. Makes him look good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So again, let's see, it, it was obviously a, a, you know, one of those moments in your life you remember because it, it, it changed, you know, it, I got fired it's the only time. So yeah, it was awful. Well, the name of the book is called the Warm Up guy. It's very entertaining, lots of stories. And let me just say, as somebody who did warm up myself, um, you're the Jim Burroughs of, of warm up. And, uh, and we, you know, uh, you know, look, you've done warm up on shows of mine. I, I really appreciated, you know, you have provided a, um, uh, you know, a great service and, uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you, Bob. Well, thank you, my friend. I, I, and you're the best. Bob Perlow, ladies and gentlemen. He spent so much time introducing everyone else. I thought, for once, we'll give him an introduction. Uh, thanks to Bob for the interview. And again, his book is called The Warm-Up Guy, and it's available on Amazon. A very fun read. Our thanks, as always, to Adam and Susie Meister-Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolford, Bruce and Jason Miller. Thanks so much for listening. Again, if you missed part one, now you can go back and listen to that. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Ken Levine, on Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. And if you would like to email me, I will write you back, Levine at Outlook.com. That's Levine at Outlook.com. More next week right here on 
Hollywood and the Vine. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. <laughs> AutoTrader.